0: off the peppertown exit down there off of uh uh interstate Twenty-Two, uh formerly 78 highway and so uh, we're glad to have him with us and so you pray for brother advantage gullen as he brings the word to us this morning god bless you for that. thank you Good so much brother, brother. sure all right it's an honor and privilege to be here i want you to take your bible and open it to the book of daniel And find if you would Daniel chapter 2. I'll be speaking each morning from the book of Daniel chapter number 2. Good to see everybody this morning. Great attendance to get started for these day services. It's an honor and a privilege to have a part. Uh, Thank you so much brother Ronnie. I love you and appreciate you in this church. Daniel chapter number two. I don't remember where I was or who said it to me, but two or three months ago I was in a meeting that had a lot of preachers in it. The preacher that said this to me could be here this morning. I'm not trying to embarrass you if you are him. But I arrived on Monday evening and several preachers greeted me. And one of the preachers looked at me and said, well, what are you gonna preach on this week? (laughs) Daniel's two feet and 10 toes and he busted out laughing. (laughs) I didn't crack a smile. I just looked at him and said, I might. (laughs) (laughs) Well, these mornings I am. Daniel chapter number two. I'd like to begin reading in verse 27. Verse 28 will be my theme verse. I'd like to begin reading in verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Come down to verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet, that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Look at verse 44 now. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. The passage is about a story Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. The passage is about a statue. He dreams about this statue of a man. The passage is not only about a story, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, his dream. It's not only about this statue that he sees in his dream, but it's about a stone. I want to talk to you from this passage using verse number 28 as my key theme to understand the story, statue, and stone when Daniel says, there is a God. Brothers and sisters, there is a God. Number two, Daniel says, there is a God in heaven. Number three, Daniel says not only that there is a God and that there is a God in heaven, his conclusion is that there is a God in earth and that the God who is and who is God in heaven is the same God who is also God in earth. There is a God. And if there has ever been a time that we need to be reminded that there is a God in heaven and in earth, it's in these days that we're living. This morning, I want to talk to you about this dream, this story, this statue, this stone, and I want you to see in it what I'm calling the outward scope of history. Tomorrow morning, we'll look again at this story, Statue and Stone, and I'll point out the downward slope of history. And then Wednesday morning, we'll look again at the story, Statue and Stone, and I'll magnify the upward hope of history. Today, I want to speak about what I'm calling the outward scope of history. Daniel, in interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream, is giving to Nebuchadnezzar through this dream, this story, this statue and this stone, all of world history from Daniel's time to the end of the world. Daniel is using a telescope to look from his day, from Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom of Babylon. He is using a telescope to look throughout the remainder of history all the way through time to the end of the world as we know. This story, this statue, and this stone give us the whole outward scope of history dating back from Daniel's day to the coming of the Lord. And if that is soon, like we believe that it is, Daniel is summarizing, he is explaining in the story Statue in Stone 2,600 years of world history through this telescopic view in the story the statue and the stone. Yeah, yeah. The outward scope of history. Daniel is a prophet. He is interpreting this story, statue and stone, as a prophet. He is using it to give God's interpretation of predictive prophecy, which is just pre-recorded history. That's all Prophecy is, it is God pre recording history before it happens, and God, through this telescopic form, is laying down all of world history from Daniel's day to our day. So, let me say three quick things about this outward scope of history that we see in this story. This statue and this stone. Number one, I want to talk this morning about what I'm calling the focal point of history. The focal point of history is God's involvement. It is God's intervention and God's interaction from the beginning of time till the end of time. The focal point of history is that history is His story. History is God's story. The revelation of the Bible is the record of God's dealings in history, God's dealings with men. And what we see over and over as the focal point of history is that the God in heaven is also the God in earth. And the God in heaven continues to come down into the earth to exercise his authority and his providence as the unseen, governing, guiding hand of all history. God is the focal point of history. When we look at the Bible, when we look at creation, when we look at the beginning of history, we cannot help but see in the Garden of Eden that heaven and earth were one. When we read passages like Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 31 and 32, along with Genesis 2 and 3, we cannot help but notice there was no distance or difference between heaven and earth. Ezekiel 28:31 and 32 give us this description of heaven and earth where they are linked together. There is continuity and congruity between heaven and earth and no distance between. There is a high mountain in Eden where God sits enthroned. There are the angels. Lucifer is there. Other angels are there. Adam and Eve are there. We cannot help but see see in Ezekiel's account that you cannot originally distinguish between what is heaven and what is earth. The God in heaven is the God in earth. Heaven and earth are one. In creation, God comes down. God creates the earth. God creates the man. God walks with man in the garden in the cool of the day. Heaven and earth are one. Adam sins against God. Now there is this strange separation and this segregation that takes place now there is difference now there is distance originally the God of heaven is the God in earth and the God ruling in heaven is the God ruling in earth when Adam sins there is a gulf there is a distance brother Ken between heaven and earth and God in heaven is not ruling earth from earth but the God in heaven is ruling earth from the heavens from his throne in the heavens there is still a God in heaven there is still a God in earth but the God in heaven rules earth from heaven and because of sin there is this chasm there is this separation heaven and earth are no longer One now they are two, but throughout biblical history, God keeps coming down. In Exodus nineteen at Mount Sinai, it's as if Genesis two and three, brother Mark, are happening again. God comes down the end of the top of the mountain. God is present in the earth God is enthroned at Sinai there's thunder, there's lightning there's smoke heaven and earth have become one once again God commissions his people like he did Adam in the original creation when heaven and earth were one. Exodus 19 he commissions Israel they will be his kings they will be his priests they will exercise the dominion that God gave to Adam in the earth. God has come down in the earth. God in heaven. God in earth are all one again. God with his people. But while God is in the mountain and Moses is meeting with God, the people, the kings and the priest, Israel is doing exactly what Adam, did. They're sinning against God. There's the golden calf episode. God departs. God goes back to his throne in heaven and once again there is segregation and there is separation in the earth between earth and heaven. But God will not give up his desire and original intent that heaven and earth be one. So he commands Moses to build a tabernacle in the wilderness and to put a Holy of Holies within the holy place, and to build an ark of the covenant and a mercy seat. And once it is built, God does what He did on Sinai and what He did in the original creation, and God comes down into the earth and heaven and earth are one, and God sits enthroned on top of the mercy seat. Then they build the temple. Same scenario. God comes down in the earth to rule through David and his line. David and his line sinned against God. God goes back into heaven to rule the earth from his heavenly throne once again. Yet God will not give up his original intentions. So 2,000 years ago, God himself comes and becomes a man, the prophet, the priest, the king comes to be what Adam was intended to be. Israel was intended to be. The monarchy in Israel was intended by God to be. He is the last Adam. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is the tabernacle. He is the temple. He is the incarnation and embodiment of God's focal point in all of history and he comes down the word made flesh dwelling among men to rule the whole planet. God in heaven. God in the earth. And once again they sin. Once again they say we will not have this man to rule over us. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Every time God God comes down into this world to make heaven and earth one. Man is sinning. Man is pushing God back out of this world, claiming the world for itself. There is this history where God is coming down, being pushed out by man, coming down, being pushed out by man. Daniel is talking about the focal point of history in this story and in this statue and in this stone where God is intervening and God is interacting. We see God's original intention has always been that He is the God in heaven and that He is God in the earth. He is the God of both and He intends to make them one. Number two, I want you to see not only... What I'm calling the focal point of history in this story, Statue in Stone. But I want you to see the feudal parts in history. There are feudal parts in the history revealed by this story, Statue in Stone. The statue has a head, it has arms and chest, it has a midsection or a torso. And it has two legs, two feet, five toes on each feet. Ten toes. Like I'm convinced some people are mad about certain things in the Bible. It's not a joke that this is a statue with a head, chest and arms, torso, two legs, two feet. And then those, and it means something. It is a worldview, it is a view of history from Daniel's day to the very end of history, to the very end of time. And in this statue, we see not only the focal point, that God is the focal point of history, that history is His story, that He intends heaven and earth to be one, but He also shows us in the interpretation of this statue that there are feudal parts in the history of the world where kingdoms are feuding, kingdoms are fighting one against another, and ultimately each of them fighting against God, the kingdom of man versus the kingdom of man, ultimately versus the kingdom of God in the earth. The statue is a picture of the kingdom of man, and the statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, is the statue of a very big man. Right yes, yes. Don't forget that what Nebuchadnezzar sees, and then in the next chapter constructs uh-huh. a statue of the likeness that he has seen, that the statue he sees that Daniel interprets for him is the statue, the makeup, the mold. The representation of a man. Of course, you don't have to be a premillennialist, a millennialist, postmillennialist, non millennialist. All agree. There is no dis. Listen, you say, ah, oh, two, two legs, you know, two feet, ten tall. Here we go. Here's one thing everybody's in agreement on, whatever their theological persuasion, whether they have one or not. This is what we're all agreed on. Because number one, Daniel interprets it in the passage. This is what it all means. Number two, because recorded history itself confirms this is what the statue yeah. Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. The head on this statue of a man, the head of gold, represents Nebuchadnezzar himself and the kingdom of Babylon. Daniel then says to Nebuchadnezzar you will be superseded you will be defeated by the chest and the arms who represent the next kingdom that was to come after Babylon which was the Medo-Persian Empire then Coming down, interpreting each part of the statue, Daniel talks about the torso, the midsection area, which is the third kingdom that was to come from Daniel's day, a third kingdom. And this is the Greek empire or the Greek kingdom that superseded, that supplanted the medo persian And then Daniel moves interpreting the vision to Nebuchadnezzar down into the legs and the feet and the toes and explains to him that this is the fourth kingdom. The fourth kingdom, of course, being Rome. Isn't it amazing that the devil hates the book of Daniel? The devil has attacked the book of Daniel. It's veracity. It's authority and authenticity. Ever since it was written written down but has not history confirmed and agreed with prophecy Daniel was making when Babylon was still the world empire and he said you'll be defeated by the Medes and the Persians and they'll be defeated by the Greeks and they'll be defeated by the Romans and just as Daniel wrote it down under inspiration and revelation from the Holy Ghost so has history borne it out in its outward scope uh, that it all happened just like God said uh, it was going to happen one kingdom of man versus another kingdom of man versus another kingdom of man uh, every kingdom trying to be the man right. yeah. 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 Right. this statue you is interpreted by Daniel as representative of the kingdom of man. There is conflict in the kingdom of man. I'm calling this feudal parts, there is a focal point. The focal point is God's kingdom in heaven and in earth. God's kingdom, the universal kingdom over all. But the feudal parts are the kingdoms of men that are in conflict where there are wars and there are rumors of wars. There are nations rising against nations and kingdoms rising up against kingdoms each of them contending that they are the man each of them wanting to be the man each of them wanting to be the kingdom of man in opposition against the kingdom of God every nation and kingdom wants to be the man Do you see it? The statue is of a man. Who's going to be the man? America wants to be the man. China wants to be the man. Russia wants to be the man. Who the man? This is not only true of nations. This is true of churches. This is true of preachers. Everybody's interested in their own kingdom building their own kingdom consumed with a passion about the kingdom of man. Who is the man? We live in such a twisted day and time that even the woman wants to be the man. Everybody wants to be the man. And all of the conflict and all of the confusion is because of the feudal parts within the kingdom of man that wants to to be the only man. Daniel is predicting what Jesus calls in Luke 21 the times of the Gentiles. And that the times of the Gentiles will be made up of feudal parts, warring factions unable to consolidate, unable to globalize because each wants to be the man in the man of the kingdom of man. You're right. yeah, man. You're right. All the conflict you see in the world today, yeah. Republicans and Democrats fighting. Yeah. Each one wants to be the man. Yeah. The president and the Supreme Court constantly fighting. Each one wants to be the man. Russia, Ukraine, Iran, and Israel. China and Taiwan. North Korea and Japan. America's finger of involvement in every crisis. Each one. We demand. We demand. Not one kingdom willing to look at the other and say you demand. You demand. We demand. Now I want you to notice something and I'll give you my conclusion this morning. I want you to notice that when it comes to the kingdom of man, the last kingdom always wins in this interpretation. Every time it's the last kingdom. You know, Babylon has no chance of defeating the Medes and the Persians. When they rise up and go to war, the last one's going to win. Every time Every time in this vision. And every time throughout history, it's happened. In this same chapter, Daniel said God rises, God raises up nations and puts them down. God raises up kings and puts them down. Is that verse 21 and 22 somewhere in there? God brings them up. God brings them down. God brings them up. God brings them down. And every time, the last one wins. And I want you to see something, and I'll close. Daniel talks about the kingdom of man, this big man, this statue. And he begins with Babylon as the head of gold. And he moves to the shoulders and the chest and the Medes and the Persians. And then from there to the torso in the Greeks, and then from there to the Romans, the Roman Empire, it's two legs, it's two feet, it's ten toes. Now notice concerning the kingdom of man, there is no kingdom in the kingdom of man after the kingdom of Rome. Now I'm going somewhere, stay with me just a moment. Now just keep in mind, just keep in mind, the last kingdom always wins. Daniel does not prophesy any kingdom. God's word does not speak of any kingdom of man in world history after the kingdom of Babylon rises and falls and it's defeated. The Medes and Persians rise, they fall, they're defeated by the Greeks. The Greeks rise and they fall, they're defeated by the Romans. Notice, to the end of the kingdom of man, God does not predict, prophesy, or promise any fifth kingdom of man. The last one he mentions is Rome. Rome is the two legs, the two feet, and the ten toes. All of that is Rome. Your legs are the longest part of your body, the longest part of man, mankind. Your legs are the longest part of you. Rome is symbolized by the legs because they are the longest part of world history. They supplanted Greece in approximately 168 B.C. And contrary to some people's thoughts and opinions, according to Daniel, when they began in 168 B.C., they will not end. They will not stop. That last human kingdom will go all the way to the end of the history of mankind as it now exists. The legs are the longest part. They're the longest. And your legs are the strongest part of your body. Daniel said, Rome will be the longest and the strongest kingdom of all the kingdoms of men. Their legs will be as of iron. And the legs will become two feet and they'll become ten toes. More on that tomorrow if you're interested in that. Prophecy scholars say that in the last days we will see a revival of the Roman Empire. They say the Roman Empire died about 1,500 years ago. Some say no, about a 1,000 years ago. But at the end of time the Roman Empire will be resurrected from the grave. It'll come back to life. Most premillennial scholars, I am a premillennialist, most premillennial scholars say we will see a revived Roman Empire resurrected from the dead. If I understand, Brother in what Daniel is predicting by revelation and inspiration of God is that the Roman Empire once it came into domination in 168 B.C. was not going to end. You don't resurrect and revive what's been alive for the last 2,000 plus years. The Roman Empire still rules the world. It's why America has a Senate claims to be a Public takes for its national symbol, the eagle. It's why we have the court system and the judges we have. It's why we have the Colosseum, sports and concerts. It's all the signature of Rome. It's why uh, places like Russia had czars, which are the Russian form of the word Caesar. It's why everybody claims to be republics and claims to be democracy democracies because you see the long legs and the two feet and the ten toes of Rome and the Roman Empire throughout all of the world, the longest and the strongest empire in the kingdom of man existing all the way to the end of human history as we now know. All right, let me close. Here it is. Daniel in the story, statue, and stone is showing us the outward scope of history. To the present 2,600 years of history. So when he gives this outward scope, he... Reminds us of the focal point. There is a God in heaven. There is a God in earth. The God in heaven is the focal point of heaven. He is the focal point of earth. It is his plan and his intention to reconcile heaven and earth so that they are one with one God and with one kingdom. The focal point. Number two, the feudal parts. Various kingdoms all the way till Rome from the time of Jesus to the end of the world as we know. it. Lastly, I want you to see not only the focal point and the feudal parts, I want you to see the final piece. The final piece. and the outward scope of history. What is the final piece of history? Remember what I said, the last kingdom always wins, always. So there's a story and there's a statue. I'm gonna talk more about this statue tomorrow. Wednesday morning, this is where I'm closing and I'm coming back to this Wednesday. We're gonna talk about this stone. The final piece, the final piece of it. Remember what I said? I'm gonna say it again. I'm not done with this. The last kingdom always wins. In Daniel's Daniel's understanding in Daniel's revelation and inspiration he receives from the Holy Ghost the last kingdom always wins. The statue is about the kingdom of man. The stone, verse 44 is about the kingdom of God. Daniel said, here's what you saw a great stone came down off of the top of a high mountain and it crushed the statue and brought it down in the dust until the stone filled up the whole earth and the whole mountain so that what you have in the final piece of history is what you have at the beginning of history God appeared Coming back down right here. That's what Daniel's talking about. Verse 34 and 35, 44 and 45. There's a final piece. There is one last kingdom. And verse 44 said the last kingdom will overthrow all the kingdoms of man. And that kingdom will be forever and ever. <laughs> there is no sixth kingdom. There is no sixth kingdom, the fifth kingdom, the final kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom. The stone is the second coming. It is the return of Christ to the earth. He's coming back again. God came down 2,000 years ago. In the person of the Son offering the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand because the king had come. The world, the kingdoms of man would not receive the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of man continue to this day to fight against the kingdoms of God, pushing God out of this world, pushing God into heaven. Signs claiming that this is a closed universe. No supernatural power they say has ever acted in this universe from outside of this universe. But I'll tell you on the authority of the word of God it's happened again and again. This is not a closed universe. Evolutionists would like to make this a Universe that is closed off from God. It is always open to God. John said, And I saw heaven opened, and he that sat upon the white horse had fire in his eyes, and crowns on his head, and names on his thigh, and a rod in his hand by which he would smite the nations. Jesus is coming again, the final peace. Of world history, and God is gonna make heaven and earth one, and the whole world will know there is a God. There's a God in heaven, and there is a God in earth. In Revelation 21, John said, I saw a new heavens and a new earth. And a new Jerusalem. Coming down from God out of heaven. This thing will be Genesis 2 before the fall. It will be one. And all the feudal. Parts of the kingdom of man will never stop. The final peace, the fifth kingdom, the kingdom of God. Amen. And since our Lord taught us to pray it, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, someday we believe soon be answered? It will be answered. Even so, come Lord Jesus.